Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye. I'm our Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about the afterlife, in-between lives, and parallel lives. Which is an interesting show to begin with. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, all things considered, and one of those things being the fact that it's non-Kaban. Yeah, this is the day that the Earth Navigator turns inward and we look into ourselves to navigate us externally and Ben is the guide tribe and Ben unites the pillars of heaven and earth which means the higher ascended thought with the earth consciousness so it's a good I'm day to explore space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and the more you explore inwardly the more you explore outwardly That's true. which is always the case yes well I guess um, a good place to begin is the afterlife, since that's one of the things that we talked about, talking about tonight. And I was thinking, uh, over many, many years, I've done thousands of readings, mediumship type readings, where I have gotten information from people in spirit. And I, I really feel I could write those experiences down, because it gives a wonderful map of what the afterlife really is. And one thing that I've learned is that it's a little different for everybody depending on who we are and what we're to learn and what our lives were like in general. And I know you've had a death experience and even when I was born I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck and I was completely blue and they had to revive me. And I don't know if that's what caused me to keep the memory of my past lives with me or if it's just something I oh, chose to do. Yeah. Well both yeah. answers are yeah. correct. But I do know those that get a glimpse into the afterlife really aren't quite the same anymore because one of the biggest things we have down here that holds us in this dynamic is the idea that it could end and that there may be nothing else outside of it. And if we didn't have that impetus, I think a lot of the experiences we experience here wouldn't happen. Well, there's nothing really, as we've said so many times, the, other, the definition of loss is gain. So if you lose your life, you have to gain. It's, you know, we've been so many years in the rewriting of the superstitious mind. Uh, virtually anything that makes you feel small is fictional. And so anyone that believes the entire essence of them just simply vanishes. And how is that actually possible? <clears throat> you know. Well, I think it's one of those things that people don't know. I, I yeah. know a lot of times people of certain more strict religious faiths uh, talk about the things we're talking about and, said, and say, this sounds like kooky talk, how in, you know, where are you getting this from? It sounds like a bunch of whatever. But beliefs about the afterlife and spirituality in general are faith-based. They have to be because they're not tangible things. We're, we're contemplating, we're believing, and we're grasping concepts that don't exist in this 3D reality. And if anything, the, the new age-ish type of metaphysical beliefs are probably the few things that can be grounded into 3D through scientific proof. Because it uses a lot of these, the quantum physics theories. Uh, metaphysics always precedes physics, and it will later be proven. And everything is faith-based. I mean, just the idea to ask people to believe that Allah exists or that Christ exists and that we have to have this faith in order to know that. And so it shows that we are to bridge ourselves 
into these other dimensions in order to have a highway for this information to come back. Well, everything that occurs in our dimension is as a result of engineering that's going on in other dimensions. 3D happens to be where the process pops into um, slow motion, essentially. Uh, all of third dimension is uh, not up to light speed. Nothing is traveling quite. Light is, but we don't appear to be. We're about nine-tenths the speed of light because we're made of atoms. So you can always find evidence of other dimensions occurring here mm -hmm. in 3D, just always. So um, on some occasions of the new moon ceremony that we do, we ask people to play the surprise game, which is very simply, when was the last time you were surprised? Okay, and whatever that might be. Okay, now there is a point at which you made the decision for that to happen. Please search your mind and find the place where you've made that decision. Mm -hmm. Okay, then there's no such thing as a surprise. Mm -hmm. There are things you systematically anesthetize in your thought process, but you do create everything that happens. So it's no different. Uh, death, uh, anybody that's had the death experience recognizes and states, certainly I did, that... Um, the thought process is not even amended by death. The thought process does not stop at any time. The dialogue that you call you, which is what's going on in your head now, well, not you, but most of us, oh, you too, okay. The idea that I am that I am, I am more than my thoughts, I'm more than my feelings, this doesn't change, stop, go away, evaporate, or anything like it. And since we have seen that absolutely everything that happens in life could be described by the word education, that also doesn't cease. So after this world, there is another world, which is also based on education, which is our growth. And it doesn't That's just true. go yeah. away. And, and just the process of transitioning, and I think this is a really useful thing to talk about. Whenever someone passes and, and we love them, we often are worried and we're concerned about what that experience was like. And I have talked with enough energies that have, have done this. And through my own experiences, one thing that I have seen is that when it is our time to go and the decision is made, and you're right, we do exit our body with much the same consciousness we have now, only it immediately becomes expanded, and we just know a lot more. And the way I see it is it's like an ice cube tray. If you fill it up so full that it fills all of them and then, then creates some on the top, and you pull it out and all the ice cubes are stuck together, in a way, it's like our bodies and our consciousness are like these ice cube trays. And when we ascend out of it, we are still connected to each our individualities, but we're also connected to the whole, and we're aware of it. We always are, but that's where we get aware of it. And when we step out and go into that realm, we, we become more open and expansive. But the idea of suffering when we pass, and this was very liberating to me. Uh, somebody that, that had crossed over, and I was doing a reading for someone one day, was telling me that once they recognized 
and made that and connected with that priorly made decision that they were going to leave at that moment that everything became like this silent bubble where um, they were in um, like a, a car accident or an airplane crash or something and once they knew that this was going to be the time for them to go they just let go and this, this silence came in and none of the drama or trauma that was existing in the physical reality was even soaking in it was it was like it was muted and they it didn't connect with them anymore and if you've ever watched animals on wild kingdom where there's a lion chasing a gazelle and tackles the gazelle and the gazelle you know struggles and struggles and then the moment you can see it the moment it says okay this is my moment to go it just lets go and it leaves and we have the faculty and we're supposed to exercise our faculty to consciously leave our bodies and not struggle to hold on with the illusion that there's nothing more than this. That's not our natural state. Last night I had a dream in which my death occurred, which is a very interesting concept to me. And at the moment where I accepted that I was dead, I immediately woke up. Mm. And had that been the actual death of my physical body, I would have had that same experience of waking up only I would have awoken, as I did waking up into, in bed, in a much greater yeah. consciousness than I had prior Very good. to the, yeah. So when you die, you wake up. You wake up into a much greater consciousness than the one you have, expanse or however you... I agree with that. However you want to describe it. So this process of um, being in the afterlife is not as germane as it could be to us here. Now, we, as you're saying, we all know people that, or most of us know people that have passed. Some of us may have passed a few people, but that was in a car. So what we want to do is, uh, yeah, what we want to do is recognize that basically the reason the other person is still in touch is that there's peace to be made yet. There's something to be resolved yet. Uh, and just <clears throat> the knowing that that's what goes on there, the haunting, quote-unquote, has to do with a resolve that has to be reached. Now, the, when I was talking about, and I've said so many times, when I was shot to death uh, and was on the other side, and I met with the man that shot me to death, and I recognized that we had signed a contract to that, mm -hmm and that um, his shooting me was his fulfilling that part of the contract, and that I never forgave him because there was nothing to forgive, because he did exactly what I wished him to do. Okay, so when you get to the point, the resolve that has to occur, the reason the other person is still appearing to hang around, is that there is some element of recognition of love that hasn't occurred yet. So uh, when a relative of mine had passed and takes years in the process of recognizing, um, and so when you get to the point that you go, well, that was the perfect relative. Um, I love them for being the perfect relative. It doesn't make any difference what they did or what I did or what anyone did. It was all just absolute perfection and I love them for agreeing to play whatever part that was, that they agreed to play for my benefit 
Oh, then that's all healed. That's all. Well, I, I think that's really that. good. Um, mm -hmm. Before my brother passed, um, it occurred to well, it occurred to me a long time ago when my mother passed. It was on the day that she and my father had a little spat, that kind of thing. And and I remember looking at him when he found out she was gone, and it was like this incomplete, this thing that oh my God, I never got to say I'm sorry. And what we tend to do is define the whole life with this person in those last few moments we spent with them, the moment they got sick, the moment the, that the last time we physically spoke to them, instead of remembering the full thing. And I, so I told my brother that why don't we all just agree that whenever any of us leave, that everything is cool. The moment we leave our body, all is forgiven. We know we love each other. And let's not expend any more energy with that because that guilt is not something you want to take into the afterlife or to launch somebody into the afterlife with. The more we have an uplifting sense of forgiveness and peace about us, the more we're going to facilitate somebody to launch out and to be able to go and be free. As a matter of fact, you were talking about waking up into this other afterlife. A very dear friend of ours, Cassandra, who used to work on the show, had um, passed away. And we um, did a little memorial at our house for her. And I was ringing our big heart bowl. Anybody that's been to our house, we've done bowl events for like many, many years now. Well, I was ringing it. We were doing a meditation. And she came to me. She was very vivid and um, we both arranged that we would connect with each other. And she said, imagine if that bowl were filled with water and your face were in it and you were holding your breath and you're looking around and you get used to that reality. And then imagine taking your head out of that water and taking a deep breath. She said, that's what it's like to pass, to transition. And it's really true. I've had death experiences in my dreams as well where I was taken through very intricately what it's like to come out of the body and gradually gain, or re really quickly gain, that higher perspective, including the perspective we had here on the, this earth. It's not like it disappears. Any more than us coming home from work as a nurse makes our identity as a nurse disappear. It doesn't. It just becomes part of us as we transition into another facet of ourselves. Well, actually, I found out that uh, my soul in particular is part of an interdimensional witness protection program. <laughs> and I'm here hiding out from uh, <laughs> I heard that. higher dimensional. Um, and uh, our uh, stage... Gangsters. Yeah, our stage manager suggested that I get an interdimensional restraining order, in effect. <laughs> so uh, as long as we're all having interdimensional fun... Now, another thing we're going to talk about or are talking about on the show uh, is the idea of parallel lives, which is uh, um, apparently unknown, very little known. I don't even know because I don't go to the web to look these things up because why would I? You know, the, all you're going to hear is someone's chatter about it. It's really not going to be necessarily interesting. So we do an event that's called uh, Parallel Lives, and that's where we first understand that our soul has built thousands, an uncountable number of lifetimes. So from the soul's point of view, there's absolutely nothing to building two bodies at once, three bodies at once, four, five, say a half a dozen bodies all at once. 
And we do an event where you meet one of the other yous running around, who is not necessarily your gender, not necessarily your race, very unlikely that they'd be on your educational level, very unlikely, as a matter of fact, that they'd be in the United States or whatever your home country is, it's unlikely you're going to find a parallel you, physical body parallel you. But there are many other physical me's running around loose at various Yikes. ages. I think I saw you in states. that Fantasia movie. That <laughs> yeah, was the hippo, yes. Okay. No, the, all those little brooms or, I mean, buckets. And buckets, yes, okay. That's another thing, by the way, you could just do away with is charming the idea of bucket list. To tell you the well, truth, what your bucket list is things that you're not going to do, okay? In spite of the movie, in spite of the romance, in spite of all of what Hollywood has done to hype this, I, people are being killed by their bucket list. I am not going to skydive. It is that simple. It's really well, unlikely well, that I would sleep with a starlet. It's really just these things aren't going to happen. Just there, that's in your way. That's baggage. That's keeping you from being where you are. Well, There's it, a lot of that. In the decluttering cl uh, class yeah. that I do, I talk about that, making a list of things that you keep saying in the back of your mind you're going to do, and either do them, assign them to somebody else, let go of them, but get them off the list, because the list is like having files open on your computer, draining, yeah. draining that energy. But as far, just uh, to get back, even though that's a very interesting subject, but to get back on the topic of parallel lives, what got me started thinking about parallel lives was when I, I do past life readings with people, and there were times when a life would come through that looked as if it were in the same era as another life. And it was like, whoa. And I even had a memory of my own lives, two lives, one in the country and one in Manhattan in the early 1800s. And I thought, well, how is this possible? How could I be having these experiences of these lives at the same time? And Very that's well. what opened up this idea. And I would also like to make a differentiation between parallel realities and parallel lives. Parallel realities is the concept that every option or possibility that exists, there exists a whole duplicate world just like this. Like there's a world, if I consider standing up from this chair and walking out right now, there's a whole world that would act that out for me. And the decision for me to stay here, there's a whole world that would act that out. And whatever decision I make, that's the world that my perception point as I am right now becomes animated in. Well, those are parallel realities with parallel lives. And there have been a lot of science fiction movies and stuff based on this where there, there are alternate realities. But a parallel life, as Neville was saying, is where we incarnate. And I can see how this could happen because there are so many things that I want to do in my life that if I were to do them, I, I don't have time as one person. And I really do feel in my next life I may take my consciousness and let that one side of me work on this whole technical thing and this other side work on the creative. I could see where I would delegate it to two because after a while you just get too large to incarnate into one body. And so we could all be working on the same thing or it could be a holder of different tasks that I wanted to complete. I spent many, 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 many years thinking about what my next lifetime will be. And there are quite a few things I would like to do. 
And I finally found a way to beat the system, which is now everyone's listening. Really beat the system? Now I have to take notes. Now I have to turn on the tape recorder for the, what is it, TiVo, if it's not already on TiVo. This will be on the podcast before long. It will be in the archives before long. And what I figured, and I really got this, was rather than going straight back into a physical body, I will go several dimensions up from that and project a series of bodies and be my own oversoul rather than. So one will pursue that, one will pursue another, one will pursue another, one pers- and exactly. I'll have the experiencing of exactly yeah, dozens of me's doing all that I would love to do with the potential of a human life. That's exactly my point. There were just so many things. So those bucket lists could actually turn into the list of people that we came, uh, that come to do that. Yeah, the guy Uh, that skydives. And and this this theory of mine would also explain, which is another valid question. I had it when I first began these studies myself, that how could, if reincarnation were real, how come we started out with uh, two million people and now we have eight billion people? Like how does that happen if souls are reincarnating? But the, the concept that I just mentioned about being too full, we just outgrow one human life. And I really feel that that's one of the vibrational levels that we are escalating to right now is that we're vibrating more than one life. And that's what we could call an ascension process or whatever, time speeding up, all these things that everybody talks about. And that we're going to break off and and maybe uh, start a whole other way of experiencing physical reality since the Earth will only hold so many people, support so many souls. There's other planets. Besides, we'll expand out to the moon as soon as we give up on The suburbs, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, Mars as well as soon as we give up money. That's the only thing that's holding us back from exploring the universe is our belief in money. Or maybe the biggest thing is to believe that we don't have to have more territory, that we can do more with what we have. Yeah, well, there's still uh, enough Earth, you know, that's habitable that would work well. I mean, Alaska, there's 60 million units of Earth up there that are populated by moose, but not one person, you know. At any rate, the, uh, all fear is the fear of separation, which is a very interesting uh, book to read. I'm sure somebody will write it now. But the idea that fear of separation is more or less ruling. And I finally came upon a place where there is no fear of separation. And it's in a very backward place. And it's very interesting to me. And to sum this up briefly, the words that we use to describe our life are our life. There is no separation between the way you describe your life and your life. There is zero separation. And we've said this example. If you say that was the week from hell, well, that's your reality. Now, if you said that week was very stimulating, then that's your reality. Zero separation. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I had never run into zero separation anywhere. Everything had that gnome of separation running it like a puppet master behind it. 
you know, no matter what you're going to say, someone's pulling on a string that's based on your fear of being separate from something. That's the whole principle behind money, is you don't have enough of it. I don't care. You could have 60 trillion trillion. Kazillion. Yes, or I was going to say 11 trillion. Trillion. Uh, yeah. And you still wouldn't have enough, and you wouldn't begin to have enough, and you'd still be looking for ways to get more which would have to be described as, well, without sanity. Yeah, and as long as somebody else has more than you, you'll never be happy. Oh, no, you can have more than anyone and you'll never be happy. You won't be happy. That's who we are. That's what we do. Or satisfied. We don't get satisfied. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. Eat six trillion chicken nuggets and you won't be happy. You won't. You'll you definitely like won't be happy if you eat six trillion chicken eggs, even if you eat two. <laughs> yeah, well, let's uh, blow that up just because we're in the mood. You notice how there's no dark meat amongst all of the uh, chicken nuggets? And that's because McDonald's bleaches the dark meat with uh, hydrogen peroxide, a very intense hydrogen peroxide. And not only does it remove the dark meat, the dark coloring from it, it also removes nutrition and taste. So the only taste you're getting there is the little uh, McNugget thing, which is actually made out of, what was that made out again? Oh, yeah, right, bread. That's funny. White bread. bread. Well, the breading. (laughs) No, no. Artificial bread crumbs. Yeah, it's industrial byproduct of something. But on on the positive side to that, they do own McDonald's owns Chipotle, which yeah. is a very good-for-you type place. So we are in a trend. They're looking for the market. Yeah, that's yeah. all they're doing. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Or number, whatever it is you'd like. Hi, Neville. Hi, Mary. This is Neha calling. Hi. Neha, how are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Oh, great. Um, I was, um, I was, I'm wondering that, you know, Neville, you've mentioned many times about the idea of making contracts yeah. you know, in the afterlife. Um, yep. I was trying to figure out like why someone would make a contract to be damaged by somebody else or or in general what would motivate souls to make these kinds of contracts so i was shot to death somebody hit me in the head with a gun Mm -hmm. that would fit uh i mean the bullet not the gun that would have been less annoying um so you could say that was my writing a contract to be damaged by someone Yes, are you there? Yes, yeah, I'm here. Good, okay. Why would I write that? Right. You don't know? I don't know. Okay, because I woke up from it. Because I'm a more compassionate person. That's always the reason. Always. But if you know, I'm, I'm sorry if this sounds dumb, but if you know that you, you, know, you, you need to be, a, you want to be, or you want to experience being a more compassionate person, then why not just do it? Why have to go through that experience? You're right. Why not just do it? Well. Because it doesn't happen, that's why. I mean, it just doesn't. We seem to have to be brutalized into becoming compassionate. Well, that's because we believe everything is... Back. Yeah. It, we believe everything is painful and hard, and so... I feel that in my life I created painful situations until I learned that I don't have to. And a lot of that is sourced in our religion that says every learning thing is painful. But there's also the idea that 
there, our reality is so much vaster than what this Earth experience is in this particular form. And so there are all kinds of reasons that we couldn't even articulate. Like, for instance, Neville's I reason was because that other guy had killed him, so he was getting even with him and, and this kind of thing. Go Good ahead. pro quo for a lot of them. Uh, I'm sorry I had gone away from that. Was, oh, this is the basically good and evil you're talking about, the polarity thinking. No, I, I mean, I don't mean to go to, to, to polarity thinking. I'm trying to understand <laughs> the late. purpose for experience. Okay, I mean, why do we growth. need to experience things to understand? Growth. I don't feel that we do. And, and I know that you and I differ on this point of view, but as a, as a child, I remember hearing my mother say to my father, oh, let, something that my sister was doing, just let her do it because people have to learn by doing it. And I remember at that moment, I said, but not necessarily. I can make the decision to learn from what everybody does. And then it's like living many lifetimes all in one life because I don't want to have to wait and do this slow type of learning. And I don't believe we do. And perhaps it's going through those painful choices and those painful decisions that help us to arrive at that more ascended per perspective. And that's kind of what I was getting at earlier where we can have an abundance of experience without taking up physical space by adjusting our consciousness to operate more efficiently. And maybe that's what this is all about. And maybe one person, that's what it is about. And maybe somebody else creates these situations <coughs> because they want to learn something that they couldn't quite get. And maybe somebody else just had never even thought about having that negative experience. And it, it showed up for them to learn how to, how to rise above seeming limitations or illusions. And the numbers of reasons for these things are as varied and as numerous as there are instances where they happen in individuals that have the experiences. So there's not really an across-the-board reason why. Now, our mind seeks an answer to the reason why so that we can trust our reality. And that's the nature of our physical, logical mind, is to go out there and trust reality. But it can't be quantified. And so this is one of those areas where there is that leap of faith. And who knows? Maybe something happened where somebody got mugged one night because it led them to see how miraculous life is by short-circuiting something that would have been not so great into something wonderful, like they bumped into a producer that started their movie. Or as in you, uh, it just changed your life with doing, uh, seeing past lives and just changed your whole course of your life into something wonderful yeah, very that well you done. wouldn't have done, known to do consciously. Yeah, there's, um, I had some parallel in there. Are we good? We We're good. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank That's you. an excellent yeah. question, though. Mm -hmm. I had those questions myself. Pretty much every question that people call with, we've had at one time or another. Yeah, and are very happy to mm -hmm. share the fruit of uh, whatever this process is that we are in. There was uh, something that went through my mind about this man very angry at God. God, why would you allow that to happen? And... Uh, Someone overheard him, and the man recognized that it was being overheard, and he said, well, at least I believe in God, even if I'm pissed off about it. Mm -hmm. So that is process. Yeah, yeah. that's cute. Yeah. But, um, 
Well, uh, so I have been talking about the idea of having finally found a place where there was no separation, and that is in the creation of our life by virtue of how we language our life. And that's uh, once you get out of polarity and into trinity, the languaging of the life changes ever so dramatically in well, that I there's always another point of view that takes all the steam out of the anger. Yeah? Well, I, I really do predict that 25 years from now, if not sooner, somebody is going to go back and look at the body of work you've done with the language and say that that really was a catalyst for changing the consciousness on the planet. And people that do great things, great works, are not always recognized in the time Rarely. that they do the works. Yeah. But it's important for you to know, and just everybody out Sizzle. there that's doing the stuff like we do, um, yeah. that aren't the ones that have great marketers out there selling, selling them, it's important for them to know that it will get recognized. Yeah, well, that does not explain Stephen King. Okay. Okay, never mind. You won't be recognized then. Wasn't saying that. Just a lighter moment of humor. Well, I don't think Stephen King's elevating consciousness so much. He is well, on one level. There's nothing that doesn't. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing about it. Well, I mean, it. that's not, yeah. that, not his quite intent, you know. Yeah, it was meant as a joke. Yeah. But explaining a joke always takes that humor just... Red Skelton used Let to say, I just say them, I don't explain them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I think is a very useful policy, well, actually, all the way around. As long as, as, long as we uh, take effort to make it a joke, it should speak for itself, or it could speak for itself. Yeah, it depends on who's hearing it, which I think is uh, what's going on there. The, oh, um, excuse me. <laughs> no, no. I mean, in yeah. general, the idea of comedy and people not getting it, because I've done enough stand-up to realize that the, the baseline in humanity is not where some of us are. Yeah, people usually don't get my jokes either, but I kind of find that funny sometimes. <laughs> it's funny when people so, don't get your yeah. jokes, that's true. Yeah, people frequently don't get mine. Yeah. But All right. at any rate, well, we were talking also about the idea of in-between lives, which I have... Uh, some interesting things. Or did you want to talk more about parallel lives? No, let's go on to in between lives. I still had a, quite a bit about um, at the afterlife. I hadn't even really shared some of those things. Um, well, so ahead. maybe we could do another show about this because there's so much to say. But, um, well, would you like to start the in between lives? And then I will I share my I found an interesting place to access in between lives. And I do it daily. And um, I have explained this before, that uh, there is part of you that is the part of God that made the decision to be separate from God, but had not yet begun incarnations. And that's where I figured out where fear came from. And it's where I figured out a whole number of things. So I've been going along my own timeline, far into the future past the next life, way far into the future to find out that it makes the phone ring, which is a good thing, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? My name's Claudia. Claudia, what can we do for you? Well, I was curious. I've been watching you and Mary for a couple weeks now. Oh, welcome. 
Thanks for tuning in. And I thank you very much. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to know what your psychic abilities are. Are you clairvoyant or there's so many different variations of psychic capabilities? Well, I don't really... I know there are, and I teach classes on this, and I do delineate them. Uh, but I find, like, we can't just sit here and say, oh, I see. Because we hear, we see, we taste, we smell, we feel, we perceive in so many different ways. And it all comes to a knowing. It all leads to a knowing or an impression or a perception. And I feel psychic abilities are like that, too. And I would say there are times when I'm more clairaudient. There's other times where I'm more clairvoyant. But I don't really take a lot of my intellectual space to measure that as much uh, because I, the more I do that, the less information comes to me because my mind is taking over. What, what would you like mind to say? Mind plays a lot in it. Um, Claudia, 100% of human beings are psychic, clairvoyant. Pick a particular int, ick or int. We are all. We are all. Ignorant. <laughs> yes. And the difference between individuals is um, math. The more denial that you have about it, the less you are. The less denial you have about it, the more you are. So the average of us on our planet has been trained from earliest childhood in vitro often to squelch all possibility of comprehension of extra-dimensional communication. Uh, this is called telepathic TV, and all human beings are telepathic. There are no exceptions. What there are is an iron fist of denial that keeps people from being able to do it. Otherwise, this would be tuning in on Mary and I simply meditating, and at the end of the time period, the audience <laughs> would be more aware uh, even were you to just sit and, and just continue the meditation with us. But we have to frequency this down into language. And we've said so many times in the, the books on the language codes, the, and uh, this is a very important part of the show to me, is the words that we use to describe our life are our life. There's no separation there if we say a particular word that creates that vibration in our life. And we got to outgrow this. And to move into telepathy is to move into translating your thoughts into symbols and then sending the symbols out, which we don't have. Uh, in my reality, kindergarten kids would be taught to translate their thoughts into symbols, more so than language. Well, our dreams teach us to do that. I mean, yeah, we do yeah. do that. We in do. dream, yeah, and but not in well, 3D. If, Go ahead. if you've ever seen the movie The Dark Crystal, where the elfin, has anybody seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. It's a very metaphysical movie. It's a Jim Henson movie. But it, 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 it really portrays a lot of these concepts. And there are, the, there are these race of beings called the elfin, and how they communicate is when they meet, they join hands, and they download every experience they've ever had to the other person, and they perceive it, and they experience it in a flash, and vice versa. 
And really, when we don't have the physical body and the slower movement of physical reality and, and having to work within some of its principles and laws, we encounter something and immediately the perception just arcs over and we know everything and they know everything. But in the physical dimension, it's like that communication bridge gets a little slower, a little bit lower density communication like Neville was saying. And, it, and we use many different vehicles to carry the data or the information back and forth, whether it's clairvoyance, clairaudience, uh, an email, a, a, a chat message, whatever it is. And then we get it and we know it. But really, the objective is not to get focused so much on all those vehicles of communication, but the fact that really, underneath everything, it's a knowing that it's exchanged in a flash. And we use all these skills that we have to elongate it, stretch yes. it out, and unfold it and figure out what it says. So I know I teach those different faculties, but it's only to show people different new and uh, new and different areas to look for their knowing but not to be attached to any particular one and I know that's answering a lot more than what you asked but I appreciate the question because I think a lot of people will benefit from some of those answers. Yeah, Claudia thank you very much. Yeah. This is an we love, excellent. We love to have we you watch and call again. We appreciate this very much and please call again soon. We love your question. We, uh, it, it answered an enormous spectrum yeah. that we might not have gotten around to mm -hmm. Uh, in the in the programming that we're talking to. So Claudia, do know that you have all of these abilities. It is a matter of remembering that you have them. You do not have to learn anything. You already know all that. All well, you do is remember that you exactly. have this yourself. Yeah. Well, well just uh, one quick thing sure. just to give an example of that, that <clears throat> people when they go into spirit or they, the way I look at it is we're vibrating at, on a similar frequency to our body and that's what then energizes and animates our physical body. After a while we start vibrating <clears throat> at a higher rate and after a while we break the bonds of the body and as we vibrate faster and faster then the body starts having its issues because we are as when we exit oh, like it and yeah. we go up and we're vibrating up here but when we're there it's so fascinating to me how all the different people, different energies will speak and the things that they come to share with people on the, on the earth and ways to get them to be convinced or to know that they really are still existing. Uh, maybe one show I'll share some of those stories. That would be Ducky. Yes. Maybe after the duck if there's time. Who knows? And Claudia, if you haven't seen this before, this is the dangling of the duck, which is a sacred and holy uh, institute that we have here on the show. Didn't he just? Yeah, I think he just did that, right? Groucho. Groucho was known because he was flicking a cigar. Right. That's why. But he didn't do anything with his eyebrows. They were he just did. bushy. He painted them. No, no, that was pure makeup. Well, I mean, there, he didn't do anything like a gesture. I'm thinking. Not with his eyebrows. Okay. Other than raising them from the inside, rather than. Yeah. Uh, here comes the duck. Okay, I got grace. Good. The state of grace. And Hold people on. get to see the fishing pole tonight. There's the fishing pole. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Yay. Thank you. There we go. Well, I got There's grace. The state of grace means 
being out of resistance with what's going on around you. And that's, to me, the definition of the state of grace, where it, it just is. And that gets back to um, our earlier question about why people would choose negative or positive. Ultimately, the best place to be is where you're not in any kind of pole. So sometimes yeah. we play on the poles in order to get to the place where we're seeing it from above. Well, that was and a what, very early trinity, the um, Teflon trinity was, and uh, here come the phone calls. So the Teflon Trinity is in the new book, the Protocols book, and I got balance, and the synonym for balance is mastery. Oh. So that's what I have to say about exactly the Exactly, kind of yeah. ties into mine. And I remember I did this um, conflict resolution in, internal, which remember, is very much yeah. like the Trinity thing. Okay, do we have a call? Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Aristotle. How are you, Marianne? Oh, hey, all right. How are you? Well, thanks for calling in. Very good, very good. Uh, like always, um, I have a friend with me right now, and his name is Arya Asami. He's a student in University of Maryland, and uh, he wants uh, you to read uh, for him, if possible. Okay. Be happy to. All right. All right. Wow, look, success. Now, one thing that that says, now success for each person is defined differently. And I really feel instead of defining our happiness by how successful we are, we could define our success by how happy we are. And I feel that you are a very happy person underneath. And I would just say, don't get caught up in these external temporary uh, fly, fly off into the outer space definitions of what success are and to just get really centered within yourself. And I, I can see why you guys are friends. There is the spiritualness to both of you. And what that means is that you are aware of your spirit and you're aware of your vaster self. And this is about getting into the experiences of life and seeing the richness of all that it has to offer. Because if you look into something deeply, you'll see these things pop open like those magic eye pictures. And they just keep getting bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper the more you look into it. So look deeper into situations. And this is a card of meditation. And identify the, the loop tape voices that really belong to others. And it's okay to have them fly by and you can listen to them when it serves you, but don't let them guide you and make decisions for you, especially with what you choose to study or what you choose to be in life. Okay, thank you. Excellent, do we have our next call? Hi caller, what's your name please? Hi Mary Neville, it's Greg. Oh hey Greg, yeah, how are you? Yeah. Well, what can I'd we do like for you? A, uh, a reading today is 1111, from 111.10 to 11.11.11, and I know those are numbers that I often see, and I think you often see, Mary, 1111. Mm -hmm. Uh, so kind of for that year period, which it might be an interesting year uh, for my uh, relationship uh, aspect. Okay. I will definitely do that. That is interesting. Okay, now the first card is, are the energies that you're coming out of. And if we just focus this on relationships in general, it's saying that a lot of your personal growth in life and things that you chose to do and experience are in the area of relationships, like a lot of your growth exists there. And, um, and that dark night of the soul where we go in, it may look like we're, going, we're being pushed down there because of the sorrow, but really that's just a, like our trick to get us to really go down in there 
and pull this gem, this jewel of who we really are comes out. And that's what you've been working on. And look, the breakthrough. Something that has been immobile or not being able to mobilize very easily is now breaking apart and you're getting through it. And I think that this is a, a testimony to patience because we know when it's time to stop or to not move forward with something and we know when it's time to, to push through. Now the suppression is that you may still be coming up with old ideas or something that are holding you back, but that this is a good thing because now they're, go they're very visible and that you don't have to let them come, come after you and start moving into other territories. Just feels like a year of lightning, all kinds of restrictions, both materially, monetarily, um, emotionally, and spiritually, and just letting them go. Okay, well, thank you. Doing all right? Yeah. And we have our next caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Mary Neville. This is Jim Cole in Atlanta. Hey, Jim. How are you hey. doing? How you doing? What can doing we do great. for you? I'd like to get a reading, please. Okay. Be most happy to. Jim is our poet healer. And I'm not sure, but he, I know he has a blog, but he's, he writes really lovely, lovely stuff. The first card, The Burden. This can often re reference our mother's beliefs um, that, that, are, that we may have adopted that aren't necessarily um, on our side anymore or maybe outgrown or limited, but it could represent any kind of a burden that we're carrying around that is limiting us and we don't really know the source. We're walking up that hill, but we don't even know why anymore. So examine some of your motivation would be a really good thing. I know that you're an introspective person. Your poetry reflects that. But now is, is time to really start examining some of your motives, why you do things. It reminds me of that recipe where you cut the chicken in half and put it in two pots. And many generations later, they go, why do you do that? And he goes, well, Grandma had small pot, and she had to cut it in half and put it into two. But people just kept doing it the same way. So it's time to really look at that and break out of some of those old patterns and that's going to start a new cycle in your life. And it really does feel like new energies are blowing through, new people and opportunities. So it's good to cut the old ties. Okay, well, thanks, Jim. Yes. Do we have time for another? Caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, Mary. Hi, Neville. It's Diana from Ohio. Oh, hi. Oh, yeah, hi. Hey. Um, I have a favor. Can you do a reading for a friend? Uh, sure. You can do that? Yeah. He's going through chemo and radiation, and he's having a really bad time with it right now. Okay. So I um, do, you, do you have his first name? His name is William. Okay. Okay. I, I felt like drawing a fourth card here. The first card, moment to moment. Part of the thing that makes anything heavy, hard to do is because we're projecting into it being like if the doctor says you're going to go through 18 weeks of chemo, it's like, oh, each time you're carrying that whole 18 weeks with you. It's really important for him to look at each moment as being its own individual moment because in any one moment we can handle whatever is in there with the resources of that moment. You can't catch tomorrow's fish with today's worm, and he can't experience all the potential that he's going to experience in one moment, so he's got to stay there. And this is a beautiful opportunity for him to really get go inward and explore himself 
And I feel that that may be one of the main reasons he is experiencing this, because he had a lot of things going on that was distracting him from his spiritual journey. And to take advantage of this time, and to take advantage uh, through that vehicle to melt this ice, this thing that, that maybe makes it difficult for us to speak and communicate with other people. And, and I just feel like there's some forgiveness with a woman, maybe a mother or a, a woman authority figure, that there's some uh, forgiveness going on. And the fourth card that really wanted to come out is saying just trust. And remember, if, if a human body can survive chemo, it can certainly survive cancer. We really could rethink our relationship to some of these diseases or these conditions and find our power again. Tell them to wake up every day saying, I claim my power. Excellent. Okay. Absolutely. Do we have one more caller? Nope. Nope. Okay. We're about to be at Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Circle. If anyone would care to join us, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. And um, what else we've been. Um, well, when's your new book going to be out? I'm thinking possibly by Christmas. It's a book called The Dreamist, and it's a interesting. It is really solid education that is um, disguised as a, what I'm calling a future novel and um, takes place at the turn of the century. It's a very familiar term <laughs> for those of us born way back in the 20th century. Of course, those of us that weren't born in the 20th century are 10 years old or younger. But one day, you will talk about, oh, those people born back in the 20th century, how primitive they were. They only began the Internet. At any rate, uh, in this future, there's a um, completely different, uh, it's very different, it's a, Fascinating story. And well, one thing, you've got a number of these really incredible story ideas that you dreamed one night. You woke up and just told mm -hmm. me the whole stories of that and Hector and some of the Spiral Spirit. Hector, I never wrote. Spiral yeah. Spirit's becoming a, uh, a screenplay. Screenplay, yeah. 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 That's very exciting stuff. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Well, I think just the idea of the afterlife, I mean, I've had. I've had so many occasions where people come back and, and, and show something that the person sitting in front of me wouldn't even have any idea about until they went and researched. So to me, oh. that proves it's not just a psychic impression that we get when, when people come and converse, but, but that there are actual ways that we come back and connect. It's just we're not really aware of it. And I have been taught so much about the afterlife consistently via so many different people that it, it, it's very heartening. Yeah, it's very absolutely. heartening to know that we don't end and we continue on and on. We do indeed. Mm -hmm. And there are other worlds besides this one, by the way. Mm -hmm. So which can be very interesting so as fly well. fly me to the moon. To the moon, Alice. <laughs> play amongst the stars. Yes. It's really our destiny. And we'll do it in these bodies. That's an interesting part of that whole axiom there. Yeah. Yes. And before too very long, as soon as we could get money out of our way, mm -hmm. yeah, that would help. Yeah, an all-volunteer. I remember you mentioning one time all the studio here yeah. is the only non-money paradigm that we've experienced because everything's volunteer here. Oh, uh, look, not everyone in the 
crew is disappointed. They just realized we're not paying anybody, that, we're not, <laughs> that nobody's getting paid. I'm going to double your salary. <laughs> Look, they're walking off the job. No, our crew, I, I want to do a thank you to our crew who's been volunteering for 15 years helping us. It was our joy and honor to take you to the door. Thank you.